Hi, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the podcast Catechism with Father Neil for this, the January 24th episode of the podcast. And today we'll be looking at numbers 120 through 130 of the Catechism. 4. The Canon of Scripture. 120. It was by the apostolic tradition that the Church discerned which writings are to be included in the list of sacred books. This complete list is called the Canon of Scripture. It includes 46 books for the Old Testament, 45 if we count Jeremiah and Lamentations as one, and 27 for the New. The Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Tobith, Judith, Esther, 1 and 2 Maccabees, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Songs, the Wisdom of Solomon, Sirach, which is also Ecclesiasticus, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Baruch, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. The New Testament. The Gospels according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Acts of the Apostles. The Letters of St. Paul to the Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Titus, sorry, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, the Letter to the Hebrews, the Letter of James, 1 and 2 Peter, 1, 2 and 3 John, and Jude and Revelation, the Apocalypse. The Old Testament, 1, 2, 1. The Old Testament is an indispensable part of sacred scripture. Its books are divinely inspired and retain a permanent value for the Old Covenant has never been revoked. 122. Indeed, the economy of the Old Testament was deliberately so oriented that it should prepare for and declare in prophecy the coming of Christ, Redeemer of all men, even though they contain matters imperfect and provisional. The books of the Old Testament bear witness to the whole divine pedagogy of God's saving love. These writings are storehouses of sublime teaching on God and of sound wisdom on human life, as well as a wonderful treasury of prayers. In them, too, the mystery of our salvation is present in a hidden way. One, two, three. Christians venerate the Old Testament as the true word of God. The Church has always vigorously opposed the idea of rejecting the Old Testament under the pretext that the New has rendered it void. Marcionism. The New Testament, 124. The Word of God, which is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, is set forth and displays its power in a most wonderful way in the writings of the New Testament, which hand on the ultimate truth of God's revelation. Their central object is Jesus Christ, God's incarnate Son, his acts, teachings, passion and glorification, and his church's beginnings under the Spirit's guidance. 125. The Gospels are the heart of all the Scriptures, because they are our principal source for the life and teaching of the Incarnate Word, our Saviour. 126. We can distinguish three stages in the formation of the Gospels. 1. The life and teaching of Jesus. The Church firmly holds that the four Gospels, whose historic historicity she unhesitatingly affirms, faithfully hand on what Jesus, the Son of God, while he lived among men, really did and taught for their eternal salvation until the day when he was taken up. To the oral tradition, 
For after the ascension of the Lord, the apostles handed on to their hearers what he had said and done. But with that fuller understanding, which they, instructed by the glorious events of Christ and enlightened by the spirit of truth, now enjoyed. 3. The Written Gospels The sacred authors, in writing all in writing the four Gospels, selected certain of the many elements which had been handed on, either orally or already in written form. Others they synthesized or explained with the eye to the situation of the churches while sustaining the form of preaching, but all, always in such a fashion that they have told us the honest truth about Jesus. 127. The fourfold gospel holds a unique place in the church, as is evident both in the veneration which the liturgy accords it and in the surpassing attraction it has exercised on the saints at all times. There is no doctrine which could be better and more precious and more splendid than the text of the gospel. Behold and retain what our Lord and Master Christ has taught by his words and accomplished by his deeds. But above all, it's the Gospels that occupy my mind when I'm at prayer. My poor soul has so many needs, and yet this is the one thing needful. I am always finding fresh lights there, hidden messages, which had meant nothing to me hereto. The unity of the Old and New Testaments. The Church, sorry, 128. The Church, as early as apostolic times, and then constantly in her tradition, has illuminated the unity of the divine plan in the two testaments through typology, which discerns in God's work of the Old Covenant prefigurations of what he accomplished in the fullness of time in the person of his incarnate Son. 129. Christians therefore read the Old Testament in the light of Christ, crucified and risen. Such typological reading discloses the inexhaustible content of the Old Testament, but it must not make us forget that the Old Testament retains its own intrinsic value as revelation, reaffirmed by our Lord himself, because the New Testament has to be read in light of the Old. Early Christian catechesis made constant use of the Old Testament. As an old saying puts it, the New Testament lies hidden in the Old, and the Old Testament is unveiled in the New. Typology indicates the dynamic movement of the fulfilment of the divine plan, when God will be everything to everyone. Nor do the calling of the patriarchs and the exodus from, from Egypt, for example, lose their own value in God's plan from the mere fact that they were intermediate stages. So very good. So today we're looking at this, uh, the canon of scripture. So as I was saying yesterday, canon is a word that means norm. So the normative collection. It's like a standard. And to say that these books are the standard scripture for the church. These books are the standard edition of scripture for the Catholic Church. In general, Christianity has more or less from the very beginning um, always accepted what we have in the Bible today as being scripture. There was some tiny discussion in the Old Testament, what was in the Old Testament, what wasn't. Uh, then with the Reformation, there was some discussion as to what was uh, in, the, in the Old Testament a bit more. And uh, Luther and many of the Reformation 
uh, groupings went with the smaller canon of the Old Testament. They have a uh, few books, they don't have the Maccabees, and a few other books uh, are not in the Protestant Bible, although, for example, they are in the King James Version, which is the most popular Protestant Bible in English, except nowadays most King James Version's editions don't contain the deuterocanonical, as they're called, books of the Old Testament, which were in the original King James. So there's a bit of confusion as to which books, an awful lot of it had to do with the um, the discussion over purgatory. We'll come to purgatory again later on. I'm sorry, I'm always saying we'll get deal with this later on, but uh, I can't talk about everything in every moment. And there is a section on purgatory later on in the Catechism. But basically, the first Protestant reformers rejected the concept of purgatory, and uh, one of the easiest things to, ways to do it was to ditch the Book of Maccabees, and the books of Ma the book of Ma the books of Maccabees speak very clearly in the Old Testament about purgatory. It's actually the clearest teaching on purgatory in the Bible. And uh, it was just easier for them to ditch them out of the Bible, which, again, um, I won't go any more into that, but that's one of the main reasons why the Protestants have a, a, a shorter version of Scripture. There are two different Jewish traditions as to what is in the Old Testament. There is an older tradition of uh, a Hebrew canon, it's called, and then there is a Greek canon, because by the time of our Lord, most Jews didn't speak Hebrew. They spoke Greek, and there was a slightly larger canon of scripture in the Greek-speaking Judaism. Although, again, everything is complicated, and when in Qumran they discovered the uh, uh, contemporary texts of our Lord, there was a, a library discovered in Qumran in the Holy Land uh, back about uh, 50 years ago, and this uh, library contained many texts in their original form, because we didn't have original Bibles from the time of our Lord, we didn't have religious texts from that time. We had copies of copies of copies. But here in a cave, they discovered material that was contemporaneous with Jesus, with uh, the, the, the New Testament times. So again, it's Jewish material. It doesn't contain New Testament, but it contains a lot of the Jewish scripture. And there even we discovered Jewish Hebrew versions of the books that before that we only had in in Greek. So there's a lot of confusion in it. But anyway, this lists the, um, the the Old Testament and the New Testament and that we listen to. I'm not going to read them again. Um, and it says that for Christianity, the Old Testament is fundamental. We cannot ditch the Old Testament. We can't get rid of it. I know sometimes it's easier to have a New Testament. You might be able to get a New Testament that fits in your pocket or whatever. But we can't have a Bible without the Old Testament. We have to keep the Old Testament because the Old Testament in and of itself is a valid revelation and teaches us many things. Then, also, they have a certain value in relationship to the New Testament. Many things in the Old Testament are fully fulfilled in the New Testament. Christ is the key to all of Scripture, also the Old Testament. And even for these authors, as we saw before, these human authors that maybe did not know Jesus, that did not even guess who Jesus would be, and yet, what they're saying is very valid. So, for example, the, the, the songs of the suffering servant in Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah is writing well before Jesus Christ, and yet he has some of the best um, writings on what we today would say would be Jesus Christ. This, uh, this figure that has been despised, that has been rejected, that has been wounded for our iniquities. And so we have this, um, this teaching uh, in the Old Testament that has to be done with Jesus Christ in mind. That being said, not everything is in the Old Testament. So a very clear example, for example, is that the Old Testament doesn't really have a great deal to say about heaven. Uh, 
about eternal life. And so even today there's this tendency in Judaism to see uh, the Jewish religion as being something that will bring blessings in this life. And then a certain sort of agnosticism regarding what happens after death. There might be a heaven, there might not. This is in particularly in the Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox form of Judaism. And so the Christian scripture adds more to it, obviously. And obviously we go to the New Testament as being more important. Uh, within the New Testament, the Gospels are the, um, the most important part. That the Gospels are based on, on the life of Christ. And that we say absolutely they are historical. And that this is the... Um, this is the way that we're invited to, to consider scripture as something that is absolutely valid and as something that can really bring us to meet Jesus Christ, the whole of scripture, to meet Jesus Christ. That this uh, beautiful concept that it speaks about as being the scriptures as being the heart of Jesus. There's a great devotion in Catholicism to the sacred heart. And this humanity of Christ that was uh, being proclaimed, especially a couple of hundred years ago in response to the problems of Jansenism that was a very severe form, almost a Calvinist form of Catholicism that was too harsh. There was a reaction in the church to proclaim Christ's sacred heart, this humanity of Jesus, this tenderness of Christ. And now uh, the Catechism is underlining how this tenderness of Christ, how this beauty of Christ, how this person that we're invited to discover, this meek and humble man God made man that we're, that we're invited to come into contact with is in scripture and that this scripture is one of the best ways not the only way but one of the best ways that Christians have to meet Christ to meet God to meet his love and to meet his mercy so very good so tomorrow we're going to continue we'll have 131 to 133 and the in brief section that follows that God bless